Well, welcome to the Big Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's been a surprisingly calm couple days so far. <laughs> yeah, so we are coming to you right now, Tuesday afternoon. So this is now the second day of the legal tampering period before free agency officially opens on Wednesday, but a lot of deals have already been come to agreement in this time. Right now, as we're recording, the Giants have done nothing, which to some degree is okay because they're not spending some of this crazy money that's been out there. On the other hand, this team needs to make some improvements. Uh, They will probably come at some point. I you won't expect them to not sign anyone, but to this point, no one has been signed. So right now we're going to try to just quickly go through some of the players that have been signed. A lot of players the Giants were rumored to be interested in. So we'll dive into some of those, what that might mean for who the Giants could sign and what the market might bring. And then we'll try to get out of here pretty quickly because uh, we're going to be back to you whenever the Giants sign somebody. So we're going to try to do some quick reaction podcasts throughout the week, I guess, if that happens. So as we start this, I think we kind of have to start at safety where a lot of stuff happened. Obviously, Landon Collins was not tagged by the Giants, was able to hit the market, and he was one of the most, like, eye-opening deals if you saw that come across Twitter. So he signed with Washington for six years and $84 million. And that is bananas. And that is completely insane. So that's $14 million per year on average. Of course, average annual salary, not always the greatest way to judge a contract, but that is that is an insane amount of money for Collins to stay in the division. Now, I've seen some Giants fans say, oh, I'm glad we didn't give him that deal. But the Giants weren't giving him that deal. That's not what was on the table. They could have franchised him for 11 about $11.5 million, or if they worked out a long-term deal, it would have been way less than $14 million per year because that's what happens when you don't let your players hit the open market. You can usually sign them for less. The market price is when they hit the open market. So, I mean, Landon Collins, easily just the biggest, craziest deal. Yeah, and I think one interesting aspect of that is how it's structured he only counts as a four million cap four million dollar cap hit this year so they washington does not have much space at all and they were still able to fit him in even at that huge number personally i wonder if this doesn't keep them in the hunt for a quarterback even though they traded for case keenum to replace the obviously injured Alex Smith. The way Collins' contract is structured, the money doesn't really hit until, well, it's got a bit of a weird structure anyway, but it doesn't really hit until years two and three, at which point that's the kind of structure that makes sense if you have a rookie starting quarterback. That's why the Cleveland Browns have been able to be as ridiculously active as they have been. So I, I... do wonder if Washington is still in the market for a quarterback in the draft, but you know, just moving down the free agency list, 
Tyron Matthew, he got paid. Adrian Amos, actually, the Green Bay Packers kind of stole the hearts out of Giants fans with their free agency so far. They got Adrian Amos for $9 million a year, which is a deal the Giants probably should have been in on. Yeah, they should have at least been talking for that amount for him. And then they also signed Darius Smith and Preston Smith, two people that it was rumored at least that the Giants would be in on to replace Olivier Vernon. So, so far, Green Bay has had the pre-free agency that a lot of people hoped the Giants would. Yeah, Amos is the one that, that sticks out. I mean, obviously, after the Giants passed on Collins, uh, there was the rumors with you know Tyron Matthew. He ended up signing with the Chiefs. He's one of those top-of-the-market deals, too. Uh, so he's around $14 million per year also. The Amos thing just came in on Tuesday morning. His deal came in four years, $37 million. $14 million in year one, $21 million over the first two years and that's a pretty good deal especially for this safety market that went kind of crazy with the Collins and Matthew deals for Amos to only be about 9.25 million dollars per year he's still he's only going to be 26 in April he was one of the best coverage safeties in football last year 4.2 yards per target 0.26 yards allowed per coverage snap those were the best marks uh, among uh, highly targeted safeties. So, and for him to only be about nine million, I figured once like the Collins and Matthew deals were coming, Amos was going to be in around like eleven or twelve million. But for him to only be down at nine million, I think that's somewhere where the Giants sh- probably should have gotten involved. But you know, we just don't know how Dave Gettleman values safeties. It's something we've said before, and he's never really paid big for that position. He's never drafted that position highly. So they might have just been seeing if that mark drops all the way down. So we don't know. I think you're probably now looking again at the at the Trey Boston, Antoine Bethea, and that would not be a bad safety duo if the Giants go there. And you can probably get the two of them for maybe that $9 million total. And Kaha Clinton-Dix maybe is interesting now or more interesting than he was to me earlier. If Amos is only getting $9 million a year, the Clinton-Dix shouldn't really come that high. So if he's going to get maybe seven uh, then I think he becomes more interesting but again the Giants might not even want to spend that much on his safety so uh, we're we're gonna see how that goes and uh, that still is a huge glaring need yeah definitely yeah basically the most the greatest investment Dave Gettleman has ever made on the safety is when the Giants signed Andrew Roll and he was basically in charge of scouting veteran players other than that, he's never really seemed to see much value in the safety position. A lot of people have linked Trey Boston to the Giants, but Dave Gettleman cut him going into the final year of his rookie deal not too long after Boston hit an escalator in his contract that bumped him up to $1.8 million, and so he basically got cut for that cap room. I'm just... Not sure how interested they are in filling that position, especially after watching Curtis Riley start for 16 games despite being Curtis Riley. 
Yeah, it's really the. I mean, there are other positions that need to get filled, and there are other questions on the roster. But I think we'll get to edge later, and we know the Giants need edge, but we also know Gettleman is going to value edge at some point. We have no idea what the safety market is going to bring, whether they'll even be in on a guy like Bethay, who is. It was 35 years old, but has been really good over the past couple years. He was one of the better. He was number two in coverage behind Amos last year. So he was with Arizona. That was obviously not with James Betcher, but he was with Betcher in 2017 and he played well. And he's one of those guys who can cover. He can be interchangeable uh, in the two safety positions, playing either in the box or the slot or, or deep on his own. So he's someone that should be interesting and should not be expensive at his current age but again we we just we don't know the Giants could come away from free agency with two safeties they could come away from free agency with no safeties (laughs) so so who knows but let's move on to edge where like you said Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith two guys who were kind of rumored to be Giants targets I think Preston Smith was probably more of a target because his market was going to be a little less than Zadarius Smith's, uh, who got about $16 million. I think Preston Smith got about $13 million per year from Green Bay. So that takes off two of the top market guys. They were never going to be in on Trey Flowers because that was just kind of going to be Olivier Vernon all over again. So that leaves the Giants with, with some questions at edge of where they can go. Uh, there's Marcus Golden, who's been good. He was a little injured last year, but he has been good under James Betcher in Arizona. And then there's a, a lot of questions. There's not really that top edge guy again. So they're just kind of going to be maybe throwing out like the Kareem Martin deals they did last year. You can maybe try to get maybe Shaquille Barrett, who was a little injured and underperformed last year in Denver after Bradley Chubb came in and replaced him as the number two guy. Nick Perry been released from Green Bay because of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. Uh, so maybe he's someone you try to bet on for a bounce back year and he's been okay in pressure rate. He was much better in 2017. So maybe you're hoping for a bounce back there where he was about where you would want a, a top edge rusher to be around 11, 12%. So that's good. But other than that, I, I think there's questions and I, it's another position where I think they're going to try to get value and get multiple pieces because now the top end pieces just aren't there anymore yeah i i would not be surprised to see the giants in on marcus golden or nick Perry for that matter i would be a little bit wary of of both of them just considering their injury histories yeah golden missed a year with a torn acl well most of 2017 with a torn acl and Peary, i'm not sure if he's ever played a complete year he has always had something get injured on him go going back to his rookie year uh Shaquille Barrett is an interesting name that's kind of like that kind of falls in vain with what they did last year with a lot of their free agency moves and kind of bet on guys who might have might not have really produced at their last stop but have some intriguing athleticism and the arrow might be pointing up on them they might might hope to buy low on some of these guys so Barrett might be a guy to keep an eye on and then there's also the offensive tackle position which had some crazy numbers flying around yesterday although nothing on 
the one guy who probably interests the Giants the most. Yeah, the offensive tackle contracts were pretty crazy too. I mean, I think we all expected Trent Brown to get a lot of money, and the Raiders threw a lot of money at him. I mean, once Juwan James came with like $13 million per year from the Broncos, then you kind of knew the offensive tackle market was going to get really, really crazy. So that leaves the couple options and even the interior. Billy Turner got signed by the Packers for an insane amount for not being a very good guard last year. He was one of the worst guards in the league uh, per Sports Info Solutions by blown block percentage. So there's just a lot of money going around to the offensive line and I mean that's somewhere Dave Gettleman clearly wants to invest he already did it he brought in a 10 million dollar guard with Kevin Zeitler for the Olivier Vernon trade I think the the big name to watch is Daryl Williams who was the offensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers missed all basically all of last year except for like a half um, with a knee injury but he was someone drafted by Gettleman in Carolina he's interesting because he's young he does have that injury history and there's a there's kind of a a split between the views of of how good he was I know per pro football focus they loved his 2017 sports info solutions had him with one of the worst blown block rates of any tackle in 2017 so there's a bit of a disconnect there Uh, I've been watching him just in no preparation in case the Giants do sign him, so so I'm ready. I think I side more with the Sports Info Solutions that shows the blown blocks there. Uh, so he's someone that I'm a little weary of. If that market's going to be like maybe $10 million, I can't see him signing for much less. I mean, Bobby Hart just signed for $7 million, although we can say the Cincinnati Bengals are not, <laughs> are not representative of a logical market. So (laughs) for them to give Bobby Hart three years and $21 million, literally no one knows what they're thinking. But if that does impact the market and it raises someone's, like Williams, it raises his price, and that's not a good sign for the Giants. And I think investing another like $10 million in right tackle, you kind of, you don't need that. Right tackle was so bad last year, but one of the other parts of that is you can get to maybe an average tackle and still be significantly better than you were last year. So if Agreed. You get, yeah, so if you get someone like maybe Joe Barksdale, he was cut from the Chargers last year, then signed with Arizona, played really well for Arizona for the final four games of the season. Uh, he's a bit older, but he's going to be much cheaper. You can probably pay him maybe half of what you would Daryl Williams, and you'll still get a massive upgrade at right tackle, and you're not putting like almost a hundred million dollars into the offensive line like that's not what you have to do no but i it's something we've both heard is that gentleman just wants to get daryl williams he's his guy he likes him so it would not surprise me in the least to see the giants be attempt to be very competitive assuming williams medicals check out which seems to be why nobody's heard much of anything on him yet Also, just to spin back to the discrepancy between SIS and PFF, I found that when pro football focus really likes linemen, it's usually because they don't commit penalties. And I'm just looking at the Washington Post's stat page for 
Daryl Williams. They actually are not bad when it comes to stats for offensive linemen. He has committed two penalties in his career. No false starts and two holding penalties in 2017. So that, I think, kind of explains why PFF loves him so much. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was I was watching him last night. I watched a handful of games from 2017. As the season progressed, I think he got more help from tight ends, which is not a good sign. <laughs> uh, there was one game against the Saints late in the season where I think Ed Dixon, who is a tight end, blocked Cameron Jordan more often than Daryl Williams did. There was uh, a game against Philly where he had like three or four blown blocks that were pretty bad. So I, I, I don't know. He's just, he's not someone that would be at the top of my list. I do realize right tackle is a problem for the Giants and it needs to be upgraded. But I don't think you need that much of an investment to get a significant upgrade with how poorly Chad Wheeler played last year. Yeah, de- uh, definitely. You know, offensive line is a position group where you. It's nice to have great players, but you don't need great players. You need players who play great together. You know, when the Giants' offensive line was really good, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, basically before it, everybody got hurt and old at the same time. Other than Chris Snee, they didn't have any great linemen. I suppose you can make well, Kareem McKenzie was a great, great, great right tackle, but from left to right, they weren't stacked. But they played really, really well together. They all executed their blocks correctly, and they played as a unit rather than five guys who were next to each other. And that's what they need to get back to is an offensive line that is cohesive and plays as a unit, not just get as many big names together as they can. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what it comes down to. And it doesn't take a huge investment. It takes some investment, uh, but you don't have to be spending top of the market for everyone. That's just... It's just unnecessary, and it's taking resources away elsewhere, especially when this defense is still completely bare. Uh, You have no safeties. Your best (laughs) pass rusher is Lorenzo Carter, who was fine last year, but still needs development in that position. So uh, to throw maybe $10 million or so at right tackle, just it it doesn't make sense to me, and I think there's, there's elsewhere. I think it's good that the Giants aren't just wildly spending, but... I think we do need to see a little bit a smart allocation of resources because they don't have much right now compared to what they need to fill. Yeah, you know, I think, and I say this only partially tongue-in-cheek, I would take the $100 million they could invest in the offensive line and call up Dante Scarnecchia in New England and offer him the offensive coordinator job. It's a promotion, big payday that does not count against your salary cap, and he has been producing Super Bowl offensive lines for uh, how long now? Yeah, with Skarnecchia, <laughs> it was, with Skarnecchia as an offensive line coach, you you just don't even need to invest in the offensive line because he just works magic 
and then yeah. someone else ends up paying those offensive linemen. I mean, that's how New England stays New England. They have those little those just inefficiencies that, that they work better than anybody else. And having some of the best coaches in the world is, is how they do it. But since that's not an option for the Giants, they, they do need to figure out what to do at right tackle. But we'll see what they do. As of right now, about 1 o'clock on Tuesday... Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened as since we've recorded. Uh, so we're, I think we're going to end this show here. We're going to try to keep this short because if something does happen, we'll be back. So you'll get probably more episodes than usual over the next couple days as free agency happens because we want to react to things as they happen. So we're going to end this show here. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you have not. That helps us out greatly. A follow work on BigBlueView.com. We're writing a lot of stuff about free agency. It's still coming, and the draft is still here. We still have draft stuff going up. Uh, everything's happening at once. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.